All right. So this one time I was going to Kachin State in the far north of Burma near the China border and I was coming back. I was I was going there from uh, Chiang Mai. So I went to Tachilek to catch a flight there. And Tachilek is this border town between Mesai in Chiang Rai province and Shan State in Burma. And uh, anyway, I got to the airport and they were like, sorry, not enough people bought tickets. So we're going to have to wait a few days to sell more tickets for the flight. Like it's a fucking minivan from Morshit to Angtong. So I was stuck in Tachilek for like four days. And at the time there was fighting going on between Shan insurgents and the Burma army. So I was like really stuck. Um, and there was like nothing to do uh, in this town other than go to this tea shop. It's like a cafe opposite the hotel. And there was this guy there, like this 50-year-old guy who spoke good English, but his brain was like every neuron was firing at once and he would just like rant for hours. And this was in like 2014, Damn. so before Trump. But right. this guy would go on and on and on about Hillary Clinton and how she was like evil, <laughs> she was a devil, blah, blah, blah. And then like quite a few years later, like quite recently, I was like, damn, like maybe he's Q. I met QAnon in Tashilek. <laughs> but like seriously, like good for oh. him for being so ahead of the curve. Like now there's a mass movement based around these ideas, like universal truths, man. What, what, what was this? A, was this a Farang? No, no. He was like, he was an ethnic Chin. So from like the Chin minority oh, group in damn. Burma. It, what are some common chin names? Is Q one of them? Uh, I'm going to have to get back to you on that. Yeah. <laughs> but that, yeah. Uh, so I met Q. All right. So to introduce the app, good morning. Uh, today we are going full Unuist and talking about Burma. It's me, Gabriel, with Samai Deng. Um, Samai, uh, what do you know about Burma? I'll be completely honest. Given the fact that I've lived next to it for a while, still don't know enough. I've only been there for like four hours. Uh -huh. Because we got, um, we drove over the border um, just to see one of the casinos. Which, and then we which drove border back. was it? Uh, I do was not it, was it, it was, well, your family's from it was Park, along, right? It was, so it was probably... No, 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 it was, it was down south. It was along the Isthmus oh. of Oh. It was before, it was before down there. Oh, I've never been to that one. Okay, cool. No, I've been, I've been, I went to it down there because we were there for a holiday with the, the family okay. one time. So, yeah. um, to kind of do this episode, I think it's quite important to look at uh, this map, this conflict map, um, the openburma.org map, which I made with help from quite a few other people. And it shows uh, conflict areas, who controls what territory, has a list of uh, a lot of the groups that are involved, a lot of the insurgent groups. Um, so basically, I can't even remember how many rebel armies there are in Burma. Samai, did you count? Because I, I didn't count. Oh, uh, there was so, I, 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 got, I got stuck looking at all the flags. Right, so um, so, right, we need to do like a flag chat. But okay, 4, 8, 12, 16, 20, around 24. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, there's going to be like... I mean, again, I don't, I'm not... I'm, obviously, you're the expert here, but I, I assume there's like divisions within... 
So. Not really. No, as in These like as in like pretty... different different separate like uh, div- army divisions. You see what I mean? Like. Oh, within yeah, 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 yeah. individual armies. Yeah, yeah, yeah of yeah, course. Yeah. Um, but I mean, another key thing here is that there's also a lot of additional militias, right, right, right. Uh, who don't have flags or anything like that, or like cartels. Cool. Oh, I don't yeah, like a militia and a cartel is kind of the same thing in Burma, who just like right. move drugs, like opium or yaba or meth or whatever. Um, there's also the border guard force, and that is basically rebel armies who the Burmese government bought off and said, oh, you can guard the border, which basically means you can smuggle drugs and we will not interfere if you give us a cut out of it. Uh So you've got 24 official armies, um, ethnic insurgents, as they call themselves often, um, fighting against the centralized uh, Burma government who are in the valley areas and most of the insurgents are in the mountain areas. Um, you can, if you, if you have a look at the map, it is pretty clear how it works. So basically all the conflict yeah. is around the border and all of the border is a conflict zone pretty much. Uh, is it all mountainous regions? Right, in yeah. The, in so, the so the whole border is, is, is mountainous other than the Rohingya area. So that right, is yeah. the, if you look on the map, that's like the, I can't really call it the southwest, but vaguely, the area next to Bangladesh, uh, that's not mountainous, yeah, yeah, I, I it's like swampy kind of area, Yeah. but yeah. it's still like difficult right. terrain kind of thing. So, you, so you're telling me that the valley areas is a centralized state, sounds a bit like some of James Scott. <laughs> well, that's why James Scott spent so much time there. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I thought we'd do a little his- overview history first before we look at the situation today in any more detail. So, um, yeah, yep. so Burma oh, okay. is one of the most diverse places in the world, uh, linguistically, ethnically, etc. Um, I think there are 111 recognized languages currently. So historically, there were definitely a lot more than that. Um, so it used to be a part of British India. It was a British colony uh, on the edge of British India, and it was not really a preferable place to be sent if you were a British imperialist overlord. Nobody really wanted a posting there. They'd much rather have one in India proper. So at that time, um, under British rule, ethnic minorities are given preferential treatment as part of the classic British divide and rule strategy. And then in World War II, Japan invades British Burma, kicks the British out. Uh, ethnic minorities, many, well, some ethnic minorities join the British against the Japanese, particularly the Kachin and the Karen. Uh, they led an insurgent campaign against the Japanese uh, with support from British and the Americans. Um, after World War II, defeat of the Japanese, Aung Sang, General Aung Sang, who also... Uh, so he's Su Chi's father, right? Yeah. So he becomes transitional leader during independence. That's in 46. So he arranges the Panglong Agreement, which is super, super important. Um, the Panglong Agreement is an agreement between a, gr- a collection of ethnic minority leaders and the Burma government, which said, uh, which basically gave federalism um, in short and gave them some kind of self-determination in their areas and for their people. Um, so that didn't last very long as Aung San was assassinated in 47 
Uh, we so one year after um, he basically we don't know who done it. It may have been the British. There's a lot of theories um, or Burmese nationalists in support of the British. Anyway, UNU takes power, um, and the Panglong Agreement is out the window. UNU is a hardcore anti-imperialist and no friend to the ethnic minorities who he saw as being too friendly with the British. So the Karen Army and the Communist Party Burma, who were supported by China, immediately start fighting the central government. Actually, I'm not sure if they were supported by China at that point, because it would have been 47. Um, they definitely... No, I could, couldn't. No, couldn't I don't think morning, so. Later on, probably, at least. later on, they definitely were. Um, they, anyway, they immediately start fighting the central government, and eventually they are joined by the Kachin and the Shan, etc., so in 62, this is when the war starts to really heat up. Nay Win takes power in a coup. You might know that name from oh, Thailand. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But like, do you know the Thai Nay Win, right? The, the, the Buriram, yeah. Buriram FC guy. Yeah. So he, yeah, yeah, yeah. he took that name from, he was a great admirer of the Burma Nay Win. Um, Oh yeah, I think I think we spoke about this. Yeah, one. he's he's a yeah, shithead. Um, so, but like, okay, so the original Nawin, Burma's Nawin, he was. Oh, which one? Which one? Which one's the shithead? I mean, I they're both was... shitheads. Um, <laughs> Burma's one was like uh, vaguely leftist, but really he was a Burmese and Buddhist nationalist. Um, yeah, yeah. Some leftist policies, like rents, were abolished. Um, there were huge campaigns against illiteracy and stuff like that. There was centralized economic planning, but it was all centered around ethnic nationalism. So yeah. any minor benefits for was was strictly for ethnic Burmese people, basically. The state was extremely isolated. They weren't friendly with NATO nor the Soviets, and they were actively fighting uh, China in a proxy war in the north of the country. So they were deeply protectionist and deeply isolated and kind of North Korea vibes, basically. Um, so if anything, ideologically, they were pretty... Like, I don't like to use this comparison lightly, but they were pretty similar to the Nazis. Um, right. And the, the junta, so the Burma army, was basically a power establishing and money making operation kind of they operated similar to a mafia system they they controlled the economy and everyone involved in that control scraped money off the top of everything right um so there were like many rebellions through this period fighting was at its most intense in the Nawin era in 89 they changed the name to Myanmar and i have a quote from the openburma.org website about this um okay so this is i wrote this a while ago um the Na I wrote, quote, the national government's effort to change the country's name to Myanmar was done so to, impl to imply that plurality exists within the nation. However, Burman ethno-nationalist right. policies still exist, hence the name Myanmar continues to feel like yet another affront and devaluation and devaluation of the socio-political and cultural differences between Burmans and other ethnic groups. Um, does that make sense? So, so, so the change, so the change in the name was was to sort of remove that sort of connotation of of national of, uh, of ethnic nationalism. Ethno nationalism. Yeah. Okay, I understood. But but you know that ethno nationalism was still there, so that's why we still call it Burma because we recognise that. Yeah, is it? Didn't we have a, an? Didn't we have a? Didn't we have a conversation about how like Thailand did sort of somewhat the opposite? Yeah, Thailand or... did the opposite, literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From Siam, yeah. Um, yeah. 
So where are we at? Okay, so the junta remains in place until 2016 when Su Chi right. becomes state councillor of Myanmar or Burma. Um, Su Chi, in my opinion, she there's a lot of controversy right surrounding her. Um, so in my opinion, she basically continued this kind of Burmese nationalism um, in a much friendlier democratic way. So, you know, there are elections, but ethnic minorities can't really realistically vote or change anything through those elections. Um, she's done nothing to stop the war and the genocide of the Rohingya people. Yeah. So it's like a, it's ethno-nationalism with a human face. Literally. Um, yeah. Speaking yeah. of this kind of yeah ideology, since Burma has been less isolated. Uh, it's opened up to it's opened up its markets to international companies to build sweatshops, like Zara, for example, have a big sweatshop there. Um, building dams, destroying the environment, mining companies coming in, etc. Basically, all that good neoliberal world order shit. Yeah, but is, isn't that? But come on, surely that's good for the economy. Was, it, hey, did I? Is it good for GDP? Absolutely, fucking lutely. So, yeah. Um, so like ultimately this all makes sense, right? For the generals who still run much of the country. I mean, that's totally embedded in all of the institutions because like nowadays they can just make more money than before. Right. I mean, I w actually, no, I, w I would ask actually. Yeah. So, so the current, so the current sort of, um, governance, right. Of Burma. Yeah. Right? So drawing a, like a parallel with, um, say post Khmer Rouge, Cambodia. Yeah. How many of the people who were part of the, like the 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 um the Nguyen sort of regime are still in, um, what is the current makeup of the Burmese? Sorry, the uh, what? what yeah, Burmese, Burmese. Is yeah. that the adjective? That's fine. Yeah. What Noun. is the what is the what is the makeup of the Burmese um sort of government in terms of people who used to be part of the Nguyen? You regime? mean the parliament? Like the same way Hun Sen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same way like Hun Sen so, was allegedly yeah. part of the Khmer Rouge. So there's a, uh, in parliament, there is a selected, similar to Thailand, a selected number of military appointed ah. MPs. Yeah, yeah. So quite, quite a few. Um, the mm. elected parliamentarians still have, uh, do have a majority over them. But at the same right. time, like I said, like the institutions, the economy, um, the bureaucracy and what have you is still heavily controlled by the military, who are all hold up holdovers from Nguyen's era. Understood. Yeah. Understood. So we should talk about the opposition groups. Um, oh yeah. The ethnic um, well, minorities. As in, what, as in like the 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 the, the, the uh, ethnic militia. Uh, so the uh, in, we call them armed call armed them ethnic organizations. Armed ethnic organizations. Yeah. Um, okay. So so. Right. So why are they fighting the state uh, nowadays? So it varies a bit between groups, but generally they still want federalism, the Panglong Agreement. If you if you ask a lot of leadership of these groups, they'll say we want Panglong. Um, and it is both a cultural and material issue. So their language, cultural okay. traditions, religions, etc., were and still are being repressed. And they have materially, they have no control over the natural resources in their lands, which in places like Kachin State are like extremely rich with jade, gold, teak, etc. So mm -hmm. it's cultural and it's material, very much so. What is the um? What is the sort of relationship between then the historical oppression of these minority groups and also like their resources that are, um, you know, available in their areas? Like, has there been 
um, a, any specifics of in, like in te- intense, more intense levels of oppression in certain areas because there's more uh, you know resources in one area, yeah. or has there been just a general like um, blanket um, repression of minorities? Yeah, so it's interesting. I think there are a few examples of ethnic minority groups who have aligned themselves with the state. And in quite a few of those situations, the, there is not much material wealth in their area. So, ah, so like okay. the Pa'ol, I think they're called. They they're very tight with the Burma state, the state of Burma. But they they yeah they they don't really have that much to defend. No offense to them. Um, but then then you have the opposite as well with the Rohingya because the Rohingya lands have they're not very rich. It's not a very rich area. Um, mm-hmm. in terms of natural resources and, and that's one of the nastiest genocides in the whole of the country so so mm-hmm. it is it is pretty messy and complicated so just to give a quick overview of some of these armies and the people who make them up um, so let's start with so I, I've worked with two armies in particular um, or two armed ethnic organizations um, first I started working with the all nearby the KIO KIA um, this is a Kachin independence organization, which is a political mm. wing, and the Kachin independence army, which is an armed wing. And they're, they're the same organization, realistically. Um, they control, and these are the Kachin people, right? So this is in the very, very far north of the country, um, alongside the border with China. Let me just check how many soldiers they have. So uh, they have approximately 12,000 12, soldiers. Right. Um, they are currently, they're actively fighting the Burma government now. Some other armies are in ceasefire. So the KIO, they, well, okay, one big thing is that they're hardcore Christians. Uh, they are right. um, Baptist Christians. Wait, Baptist, is that the one? No, evangelical, I don't know. Um, they're very, very, very Christian. And that is drastically tied to their ethnic identity they speak a language called Jingpa or most of them speak Jingpa there are other dialects they they are in no way related to the Burmese people uh, ethnically right. culturally whatever they were part of the again they were part of the insurgency against the Japanese and they were favored by the British and uh, they've been fighting they were a bit later came a bit later to the fight um, but they are very very effective soldiers they they control quite a large area of land. I think, other than the Wa army, who are allied with the Burmese, I think the Kachins have the largest territory that they control. They have two cities, I'm doing finger quotes, um, one being uh, yeah. Liza, which is the capital, and it's like a, it's a military town. Um, and they have like a, a proper civilian administration, civilian government there. Uh, with you right. know bureaucrats, they have a power station. Mm-hmm. They make their own weapons. They make AKs. They make landmines, not very good landmines, but they make landmines. They they make cigarettes. They have a cigarette factory. I have a pack. <laughs> and they are essentials. They are essentials. Awful, awful cigarettes. Um, oh. Let's see what else about the KIO. Um, it, it, it sounds like it. Sorry, uh, just to yeah. just to stop for a sec. So. They, 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 you know, so they're, they're sort of just, they're just operating as they would um, if they had like, or, like complete autonomy. Would you say um, in in, in the areas of... that they control? Yeah. So so could you could you possibly draw any parallels to like say Kurdistan, like a, like Rojava, that type of situation? Yeah, I think the difference between them would be 
in places like Rajava. I mean, ide- ideologically, yeah. ideologically, and like organizationally, you know, um, in terms of ideology, uh, sort of they're very aside. Different. Yeah, yeah, very different. And, and I understand that, but um, I just mean in terms of the way they the, their relationship with the state. Mm. Yeah, I, I hear you. I think a key difference is that in Rajava, they're kind of really energized and actively building a kind of a project like they're really right. actively doing state building and with the Kachins, this war has been going on for such a long time that that energy has really slowed down and they are pretty content with what they have they're not taking any very dramatic efforts to to i don't know industrialize or expand their territory what have you um, a lot, I mean, a lot, one of the big reasons for that is because they're constantly dealing with re- more and more refugees coming in, more people being born in refugee camps, which are under KIA, yeah. KIO yeah. administration. Um, they get, you know, virtually no support from the United Nations or anyone like that. Um, they're also like wedged right up against the border of China. So Liza, the capital is literally it just straddles a border it's a long town which just you can see it on google on yeah, google maps on so end. if you go on satellite you can you can see how it straddles the border and china so it's quite interesting so china used to be very friendly with the kia they would supply them with weapons and stuff and they they brought some kia KIO, uh, leadership in the, I don't know when it was, I think it was in the 70s, or maybe, this, yeah, it would have been the 70s, to Beijing to undergo ideological training, and uh, it, 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 it didn't make a Maoist. Um, but, yeah, so, nowadays China tolerate them, they let them come and go across the border pretty much as they please, but they especially now since covid they really aren't letting westerners in and it was it was pretty tricky to get in in the first place you would have to get smuggled across the border um right but now now they're not letting anyone in oh yeah so what is the um what is like the chinese but uh, myanmar relationship like yeah so ever since ever since suchi got in they seem to be a bit it's hard to say maybe it was a bit before suchi they, they got quite a bit closer so um right i think that we can look at the china Burma relationship through the Kachin, right? Because uh, yeah. I'm not exactly sure when this started. Okay, so the, the Kachin had a ceasefire with the uh, Burma government. It was 12 year ceasefire. Um, and one of the things that broke that, ce- this was up until I think 2012, 14 maybe. So 12 mm-hmm. years before that. One of the things that really broke this ceasefire was China was building a dam in Kachin State called the Mitsone Dam. And this was in the Burma government-controlled territory in Kachin. And the dam was going to flood a bunch of Kachin villages, basically. I've actually been there. Um, it's, it's quite an interesting place. And um, China was bringing in its own people to construct the dam and uh, paying for everything. All of the power from the dam would have gone straight back to China, to southern ah. China. So, and then, And then basically what was in it for the Burma government is that they would get a big financial kickback so the Kashians obviously were super against this and this was their kind of main reason for um for you know uh, restarting the war against the Burmese mm. although they would say that the Burmese restarted the war against them through this action so 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 
Burma and China have like quite a productive economic relationship, but uh, that's about it. And I think the KIA are kind of seen as like, for China, they're kind of seen as like a a useful potential force that they can use to destabilize northern Burma further. So so China sort of double dip in, they're trying to like keep, keep both sort of. Keep, uh, keep, keep both in pocket. To, to yeah. Both, to, so, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, that is that is. I mean, that is Chinese foreign policy. Yeah, that's Chinese since, foreign like, policy. You know, so China's always that is Chinese since Dengis era. Yeah. Uh, so, just a quick, quick sort of cultural type question. Right? So yeah. you say like, oh, they have they're really different from the Burmans. Yeah. And and that type of thing. So, before I, I would so then so so the, the only reason they're grouped together is what because of. Um, British imperialism. Yeah, British China right. borders. What but the the strange thing is like looking at you know the map. Um, this is this is a it's a tough mountainous region. Yeah. To sort of really control. So what was how did they manage to um, assimilate or, or, or how did the British manage to sort of like con- keep keep all these border mountainous sort of um, ethnicities. Um, Sort of under their thumb. You, you mentioned the whole divide and uh, divide and rule type yeah. uh, uh, policy, but how how though do well, you get men yeah, troops the, into the mountains? The, the short answer is they didn't. They kind of just left them that. be. Right. So that was a pretty easy way of just let them go about their business. Basically, um, the, the British weren't particularly involved with in some of these like harder to reach areas. The, the British just didn't really go there. I mean, they didn't even have the right. technology to go there, frankly. There weren't roads and what have you, so. Yeah, I mean, because everything is uh, sort of because like the the main bits of um of a, of like um valley type uh, Burman territory, Myanmar, so like the central area. Yeah. I mean, that's all sort of enclosed within like the confines of how do you pronounce it? The Irrawaddy uh, River. Irrawaddy, yeah. Irrawaddy, sorry. Uh, yeah, so it's like everything in the sort of just surrounded by water, and then. Everything else is just beyond the water in the mountains. Yeah, so. so it's kind of like the flat, the flatlands, the rice lands, and then everything else, yeah, which yeah. is mountainous. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are catching people who live in the valleys, but that's further, right. further up. Um, so I just want, just on the catching, a couple, just a couple more things. Yeah. Um, one is that they they may only control quite a, a relatively small sliver of territory by the border, mm-hmm. but uh, they have. They very much infiltrated the valleys as well, where the Burma army are based. Um, and they collect taxes from some people oh. who live in Burma territory. They do conscription from some people who live in Burma territory. So the your I think you ha- if you have a son or your oldest son or something like that, one son per family seems to be the rule for conscription. Um, and the, but there are perks, you know, for joining. So you get they oh so the KIO run uh, universities. I think there are free universities. Oh, that's cool. In their territory, oh, and uh, if you join the army, you get a free university education to make money. Oh, yeah. yeah, go on. No, no, it's like oh yeah, it's like, it's like um if you need a couple extra credits for um going to university <laughs> in Thailand, the army will let you. Yeah. Help you out with that. Yeah. Um. So. How they make money, the KIO, that's a tricky question. And they kind of duck around a bit when you ask them that. So they, like I said, there are taxes. They definitely were involved in opium trade before. 
Um, mm. They definitely are involved in the illegal smuggling of precious materials like jade into China and teak as well, which they they tax somehow. Um, they, they don't, you know, I was really friendly with them for many years and, and they just didn't want to talk about this kind of stuff. Uh, so, and that, that yeah, that that's similar for, for most um, of these armies. They, yeah. they don't like to talk as about you said, As you money. said a, a while ago, as we said a while ago, it's like, if there's two things that, that, that have a closer relation, a close relationship, it's uh, revolutions and drug trade. Right, or drugs right. Or something like that. There's a great book, um, Opium and Insurgency by Bertolt Lindner. Uh, and he also wrote a great book about uh, catching called Land of Jade um, about his time. Oh, the, this there. is, but okay. I, I read one of his um, articles on the CPT one time. I think, yeah, he's and, great. Bertolt's an awesome guy. Yeah. yeah, didn't you meet him? Cause, like, a few times, yeah. You live near yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. In Chiang oh, Mai. Cool. So, um, so that's a KIO. Let's talk about the Kareni army because that's the other group yes. that I have experience with. Um, so the Kareni army are a bit more, a bit more of a typical army for Burma in terms of their size. They're a lot smaller than the KIA. Um, mm -hmm. They control very, very little territory. They're right up against the Thai border in Mehong Son where yeah. there's a huge number of Kareni refugees. By the way, these are Kareni, not Karen. They're kind right, of cousins, not brothers. They're vaguely related, but they're friendly, very friendly, but they're not the same people yeah. by any means. These are the, I don't like the term, but these are the long neck people who you see right. in all the pictures. But but not that, even then, those that long necked people are, are uh, sub ethnic group from the main Kareni peoples okay okay right. that's that's actually an interesting one because like we um for, for a sort of um so the the international sort of understanding of of these ethnic minorities is probably limited to that specific yeah, subsection of a specific <laughs> ethnic group yeah, yeah yeah i had um i used to live with a refugee from that exact subset and he was like because like if you say yeah. Oh yeah, go on. You, you no, go on. I was just saying. Like he's like, I, oh yeah, yeah, it's awful yeah. How people just assume that. It, you no, know. exactly. It's it, it, no, it's it's like oh, it's like oh, Southeast Asian what um people living in the hills. Oh, you mean like those ones with the long necks? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean them too, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So that that's like a tiny minority. Most Karenni don't. Do yeah, that. yeah. Um, but they they are some are Christian. There's quite a lot of Christians, but generally the the Christ, the missionaries haven't reached them yet. They're pretty animist, have their own religion for the uh -huh. most part. Again, so if they I they don't I don't think they do conscription, but they told me they didn't do conscription, so I don't think they do. But uh, basically, their pool of recruitment comes from the refugee camps in Thailand mm -hmm. along the border, which are pretty vast. Um, I've been there quite a few times to the Kareni camps and um, it's not it's not a nice place to live. So right. if you're so for example like I know one guy who was born there um, in the camp and he's 32, 33 years old now. He has a kid and he has literally never left the camp in his entire life. So that kind of sucks. Um, the Thai government do literally nothing to help them. I was talking to a Thai civil servant yesterday, actually, who is like, a, oh. yeah, he, I, I'm not exactly sure what his job is, but his role is to like help out like poor people in the Mae Hong Son border region. And they just, they just don't 
they just ignore the refugees like they're not there they they leave that to the ngos entirely um if so you're where, where are the where, where are the kareni geographically again Sorry, uh so if you look at the map the kareni are okay so you see mei hong son right in thailand yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. it's directly to the west of pai oh oh i see i see yeah so that camp okay. there you see the refugee camp on the map ban they saw so so what's um what's the difference between the two different areas of control here then uh on the map you mean yeah so the because, um, the darkly one, shaded one is, one is dark yeah one, yeah one is dark the darkly shaded yeah. territory is areas that they administer and like properly have control over and then the lightly right. shaded area is where they have support and maybe people who pay taxes maybe people join the army from those areas but Generally, the Burma army controls controls it on the streets. That is okay. right. So, so yeah, you were saying about your um the person you were speaking to and oh yeah yeah so he, so yeah basically Thai like government. the the refugees are ignored by the Thai state. Um, many refugees come into Thailand illegally to find work. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a friend of a friend who did that, and he got arrested by the Thai uh, police border guard police mm-hmm. and he basically was made a slave for them for like two weeks or uh he had to just do construction work for them and they didn't you know register his arrest or anything like that a lot a lot of people in the camps they just literally have no id no they're stateless people no citizenship mm-hmm. they and the, their only hope of getting out is through the united nations uh mm. re relocation program and that can take like a decade if not longer so i've got friends who have been on the wait list for eight nine ten years and they're just wait and then you know even best case scenario you end up in some fucking meat packing plant in minnesota you know so it's a pretty rough life yeah so the um go ahead oh, no, i was just saying the um sort of the what is the uh sort of the implicit uh, not the, well I, I don't know if that's the exact word to use but it, the opposite of an explicit sort of uh, policy that the thai uh, the thai government has concerning um uh, ethnic minorities from 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 myanmar what, what, what's their uh, what, what's the um, what's the difference between what they say they're doing and what they're actually doing well what they say they're doing is basically nothing <laughs> right. they just right. ignore it publicly and then privately in terms of what they're actually doing on the ground is they are using them as slave labor or incredibly low paid labor. They tolerate, for example, some people from the refugee camps coming into Thailand to work manual labor jobs on the farm or in construction companies for unbelievably mm. tiny amounts of money. Um, so that's, that's in the Mae Hong Son area. Uh, further to the south, you get boats of refugees, for example, Rohingyas, who are running from Burma and they, the Thai government will just basically push the boats back out to sea, which sucks. That's some, uh, that's some, what was it? Italian government type stuff. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Uh, so one thing I want to kind of make clear though, is that when we're talking about these armed ethnic insurgent groups, the people really do support them. So like the Kareni people right. really 100% support the Kareni army. Same for the Kachins. They, they really, really swear by them. And it's, it's considered like a, you know, a good thing to do to join. Right. Because, you know, the, the sort of 
the, the sense of um, identity or what? Or is it it's like a sense a, of yeah, a sense of identity. It's or is it just fight, beating justice, back, beating man. back oppression? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Totally and um, okay. also, you know, a lot of these armies administer administer the refugee uh, camps. So they've ah yeah, yeah, they've given you you know they they run schools, they run hospitals. You know, they've given you an upbringing, be it a rough one, the best they can do, realistically. Um, not to say a lot of the leadership in these armies aren't fucking corrupt, which they really are. Uh, I've got some stories about that I can tell you after. But, yeah, they they kind of suck. But, you know, like, they they don't have much and they're doing what they can. I mean, I kind of put this at the end of the, the doc to talk about, but, like, in terms of good guys and bad guys, like, this is a pretty clear-cut good guy, bad guy war. Right, right. Understood. So, just to move on to another army, which is just... I don't know much about them because they're all the way on the Indian border, but it's quite a fun one. Did you notice the Kuki army with the Star of David in their flag? Yeah, I was going to... That was actually one that I was going to say. Yeah. Because when I was looking at the website, right? I was looking at um, Open Burma, right? And then sort of looking at the flags. Oh, these are cool flags. That's interesting. You know, there's some birds and stuff. And then all of a sudden, there's a bloody star of david yeah yeah and, and it's like okay sure i mean there were like japanese jews <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. J- jewish people in japan existed so and it, it's and not shit. it's it, yeah i mean yeah. it's not like outside of the realm of possibility so, so please what what is going on with so the basically Kuki they were like a vaguely christian group and right uh, the leader, I guess. I don't know this. I don't know much about this. I, but okay, this is the best I got. The leader had a dream where he was. He, they were kind of animist mixed with Baptist, you know, kind of combining these oh, religious right, practices. Okay. And the leader had a dream where he was approached by Moses and he was told about the truth of Judaism, that which I cannot tell you myself because I do not know. Um, and. <laughs> He, he converted to Judaism and got all his people to as well. And they've been in touch with Israel and there are kooky people living in Israel. Oh, this is a fun fact. There's also Kachin people living in Israel. And I fucking swear to God, Kachin's in the IDF. What? Yes. I, I spoke insane. to one once, yeah. And they go there for like, there's a, it's an agricultural program. And then a lot of them want to get citizenship in Israel and to do that they have to join the IDF and I think convert to Judaism but I'm not sure that is and, and sorry just to go back to the kitchens a little bit more um, they yeah, yeah, really yeah. really like Israel they because you know these are Baptist Christians you yeah know? I was I, I saw well well I saw like a I saw like a picture of Nawin and um, uh, what's his name one of the uh, one of the, um, the, the the Israeli presidents okay. and I was going to sort of uh, that was because like I saw first I saw the I cookie people yeah. star, star of David oh yeah and then I saw Nawin uh, with um what's his face the I think he was Labour guy um, but then and I saw yeah uh, yeah 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 that's right Ben Gurion and I saw went, why what is the relationship between Israel and 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 sort of Myanmar slash Burma yeah, and all the people it's weird Israel, man they they yeah they got their fingers in there I'm not sure why it's very strange you know like. Okay, this is a story I probably shouldn't tell, but fuck it. So I was basically subcontracted out to make a website for the Kachin Independence Army organization, oh rather. Oh, my God. And um, yeah. 
so we made it, but then there was some disagreement among the leadership of whether they should have a website. And the whole thing got mooted after we made it. And so we left it up and we just left the contact form open. That's the only thing on the website. And we got some weird messages from like, on, you know, what's the website? Moisha what's the website? Blagoj- I'll, I'll send it to you. Uh, <laughs> okay, from okay. like Moisha Blagojevich being like, oh, yes, I have a business proposition for catching people. You know, it's like, I think they're doing arms dealing or some shit. I, I really don't know. Um, so <laughs> what were we talking about? Yeah, so the kitchen people really like Israel because they see themselves as very similar to Jewish people. You know, like, right. oh, we have been persecuted for so long. We we are Christians in this sea of, you know, um, awful atrocities that are happening around us. And we're just trying to have our homeland. We're trying to fight for our homeland and make it, you know, this great nation state, blah, blah, blah. So yes, they are very pro-Zionist and actually very pro-Trump as well, since Trump went super pro-Zionist and also because of the Baptist stuff as well, which kind of kind of sucks. Um, and then, okay, yeah, yeah, go on. No, I got nothing. Uh, I was, I was, here's here's a okay. Here's a relevant question then. Yeah. Um. Obviously, um, sort of the the, the stuff we uh, the, the stuff that we write on Dindang, it's like there's a clear you know ideological bias, there's yeah. an ideological leaning, right? Yeah. What is the role of um, sort of left wing politics, left wing ideology in these um, ethnic national uh, like liberation movements? Like, yeah. Where what is their sort of um, what's their kind how, of political... how many of these uh, yeah yeah how many of them relate what kind what's the you know, yeah so what, it's what kind, kind of, of um... it kind of depends who you ask because they they right. just haven't had the resources available to actually do much nation building but when you do right. ask people to be imaginative and they're always quite reluctant they will say stuff like oh we want to have free health care and free education and stuff like this so i you know I, they, they don't really conscribe to kind of our concept of like political tendencies and yeah, no, I understand because that, that yeah. is like a is you know because like these are, these sort of ideas are are kind of a not Eurocentric but like Western, Western I guess yeah. sort of ideology at the yeah. moment. And yeah. the, the, I mean, these are some yeah. of the most isolated people on the planet, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so it's, it's it's really hard to say. I think it depends who you ask. I think if they did become nation states, you know, I'm not saying they would be leftists particularly. Uh, it's I don't I don't know. In short, I really have no idea. Right, no, cause, no, it's just because anti, anti, sort of anti-imperialism types of things, anti sort of ethno-nationalist oppression type thing. Like, like, um, there, there is, there is. Mm, how do I? But you see, I, there are contradictions in, in here already because yes, Ukrainian are anti-imperialist, but they support Israel. Yeah, which is yeah. It, I mean, obviously, we live in the postmodern world, but um, it, it's sort of like it, it's just a general question about separatist movements, right? you breaking away from a bigger polity to, to to try and set up your own you know type of um sort of community that is more relevant to your identity as a as a community but does that not defeat the purpose if if you don't re- if if you reject the authority or reject the concept of state x setting up state y sort of doesn't seem to make much sense if you just follow along the logic of states aren't states shouldn't exist not states shouldn't exist but uh states the way they're organized currently aren't um appropriate uh, to representative. our representative yeah exactly yeah 
and and within communities there are sort of you know different families will have different opinions so yeah. why not just break it all the way down yeah so it's it's just an interesting way to see um sort of uh the the sense of the the, the differences between um uh nationalism for the uh uh which is not like you know like nationalism in the in the chauvinistic sense but nationalism in the sort of the identity sense mm. um being sort of this twofold type thing where it's where it's like um we believe in our identity but at the same time um identities um Hang on. Well, I, don't, I, I, I feel I'm like using, nationalism is kind of an empty word and you can put whatever political ideology yeah, you want on yeah, top yeah, of it, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so but, Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, sorry, it's like nationalism Nationalism is about identity, but it, it could also be either a means or an end, right? Yeah. So either we're trying to establish a nation or through nationalism, we want to break away from a greater oppressive structure, that type that type of thing. And, and I think that the, it... Looking at like looking at from the left, nationalism is more of a means, because mm. um, as a national liberation struggle, mm. and uh, and just but otherwise, not saying that it isn't on the left also uses an ends, but um, it's just that it's interesting to see how different um, ideological sort of um, uh, frameworks see the nation or see uh, nationalism. Uh, put in used in different ways and and i think that you know so what from what you've been telling us today uh it is it is sort of you know people do want to have that sense of um sort of independence within their with their identity being able to that kind of self-determination um, yeah yeah self-determination and, and and that kind of thing i, I like the the self-sustaining sort of autarkic if you can if, if, if that's the correct usage of I mean, autarky, yeah, but like autarkic, um, sort of uh, self-sustaining economy type situation. Mm. Um, yeah, no, it, it's just. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't. But I mean, like you know, I've I've brought it up with them a lot of times. I've you know, I say like you know, have you ever do you know about Rojava? Do you know about Kurdistan? Do you right, know about yeah, Kosovo? Yeah, yeah. You know, what what do you think of these different you know situations? And and really, they they just don't know because they're yeah. so yeah. isolated. Um, I, I've, I've tried, you know, to teach, I, I taught a class about like in, in the Karenian refugee camp about different independent, successful independence movements. And, and honestly, like, I felt like a bit of an asshole cause I think it just kind of went over their heads. Like I, I didn't get much of a vibe from it, to be honest. This was in the earlier days when I first started working around there. Um, before you, before you understood, it's time to listen. Well, <laughs> I did a lot of fucking listening as well. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Um, no, but, you no, know, no, yeah, yeah. to bring, I just, you know, try to bring a bit of the world in. Um, anyway, so should we, they, okay, so we're talking about ideologies, right? So there is one interesting yeah, yeah. case here, which is uh, ABSDF, which is all Burma student democratic front. This is the only non-ethnic based insurgency, insurgent group. Right. And they're, they're not such a big player anymore. They were started in the 88 uprising, which was a big protest movement. Um, in Burma, in, in the lowlands, in the cities with a huge student movement and it got heavily cracked down on and a lot of students went and joined the armed ethnic groups and then basically started mm -hmm. their own army called the ABSDF. Nowadays, it's kind of a place for Burmese dissidents or I think just like really poor Burmese who hate the government join. It's, it's hard to oh. know. They're, they're allied with the Kachins and they have a base in Eliza. So I, I don't know that much about them, but uh, oh, I do. I do have one 
kind of dark story about them. So they have a bit of a bad rep because they constantly were terrified of being spied upon. And mm -hmm. I went to this conference once in Chiang Mai and I was sitting next to Bertolt Lindner, the guy we mentioned before who wrote Land of Jade. Mm -hmm. He's like the kind of absolute granddaddy of Burma um, coverage. He's a great journalist and writer. And I was sitting next to him. And so this catching guy who I also know got up to speak and uh, then the translator gets up to speak and Bertolt leans over and he goes, what the fuck? What the fuck is this guy doing here? And, and me and my friend like look at each other like, well, hey, what? And he's like, this guy is a fucking war criminal. And then he walks out and then like, and Bertolt was supposed to speak as well. And then like 10 minutes later, uh, my friend gets an email from Bertolt and it's like a clipping from a newspaper from like 2002, which is like ABSDF commander kills a bunch of his own men and he basically did a massacre of his own men and some local villagers in this like really remote camp because they were he was convinced they were being spied upon and the, the dude that did the massacre was our translator um wow that day yeah oh i remember that. okay i remember this story oh, i told you yeah, before was, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and um that is... and, then, and then the person who was like uh emceeing the event came up and was like do you know where Bertel went and we're like, oh, yeah, he says that your translator is a war criminal. And she was like, oh, OK. And then she was like, oh, sorry, Bertel had to leave on important business. And we we're like, hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, no, he, 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 was, he got called away he got, for, some, for, yeah. some, for some work. Um, so maybe we should talk a little bit about the actual Burma army, the Tamadar, as they're called. Um, we haven't really spoken about them. Yeah, yeah. So they are comprised of very, very poor ethnically Burmese people. Um, a lot of drug addicts, for example. They are they are given meth amphetamines to encourage them to fight. Uh, classic Nazi style. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So they and you know you kind of have to get in the headspace of somebody who grows up very, very poor in Burma. So I had mm. a good friend who did, and, you know, he would say, we were taught in schools about how, you know, ethnic minorities want us all dead. They do evil magic. They're cursing you. And people really believe this kind of stuff in mm. in places like Burma and even Thailand. So they, they, they really do hate ethnic minority people. Um, and... It should be said, you know, they use rape as a weapon of war. They burn down villages. They they mine villages. They chase people out and then they mine them. They mine orchards uh, so people can't go back. It, it they they are extremely extremely brutal. Um, and you know, I I don't want to like shit on you know the average soldier who joins because he doesn't have no, any exactly. prospects, exactly. but. Uh, I, I do struggle to understand how, how they behave in such a way. I, I really do. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's obviously like some psychological power index type situation where it's a so, you know, yeah. be, hierarchy beaten into you becomes, you know, internalized oppression. And then all yeah. of a sudden, because you're being um, repressed by the state apparatus, then you act out your own sort of um, 
uh, opportunity to, demo, to to have some form of authority because yeah. you haven't had any of your own, so you 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 put it taken out on um, other you know, minority type. I guess other people. Yeah. So um, I mean, yeah, that, that, that's a possible explanation. So so one thing that people often ask me is, you know, why don't all of these rebel groups align together and fight back at once? Because if they did that, right. you know what, they would win. Honestly, they would be right. in, in, in Napidao, the capital, in a matter of months. But it's never happened. So there have been attempts, um, most notably the United Nationalities Federal Council, terrible name, UNFC. Mm. Um, <laughs> that was comprised, it used to have the majority of rebel groups used to be aligned under that banner. Um, but, you know, the Burmese, you know, they learn divide and rule from the British and it's a really effective mm. tactic, you know. Mm. So they say like, look, if you guys stop fighting us right now, we'll give you this land, we'll pull back our troops from here, da da da. And you know, you don't want your men to die fighting, so you you agree. And then the Burmese can redirect their troops elsewhere and it's it's really effective. So right now the UNFC that the group I mentioned that they pretty much everybody's dropped out because it was considered just an absolutely useless and toothless organization. It's headquartered in Chiang Mai. Mm. Um, so at the moment, it's just the Arakan army, the Mon National Liberation Army, Shan State Army North, the Kareni army are in there and the Lao Democratic Union who are tiny. So it's like a lot of the small players are still aligned in that group. Right. Um, they don't do much fighting. Most of those groups have a ceasefire at the moment and have done for quite a few years now. And then the other big alliance is the Northern yeah, Alliance. Yeah, the, the Northern Alliance. Now, they're really interesting. I was actually there when they... I, I was with KIA leadership when they aligned. Um, and everyone was like super jazzed, super excited. Uh, and so that's the Kashin Independence Army, Shan State North, Ta'ang and the Kokang rebels. And they are a really effective fighting force. And kind of at the beginning, they, they, they gained a lot of ground. They've been pushed back a lot lately. But yeah, they're, they're pretty, pretty effective. There's also the Brotherhood. Do they have any, yeah. they have any international support? Any, any, no, any help no, from anywhere? No. no, no. Same, okay. as, same as everyone. No one's really... There's no pro, this is the other thing. This is why I think it doesn't get any press attention. Is because this is not a proxy war. Proxy right. wars get press attention. This is not a proxy war. Right, which are pretty rare for the twenty first century, actually. Yeah, that, that is an interesting. That is an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, because like, um, you know, obviously, uh, everything that goes on in sort of Southwest Asia, or as people call it, the Middle East, mm. like that is, you know, it's all proxy sort of shit. Yeah, proxy stuff going on. But then these other things happening around the world are sort of, eh not really related to any global super there's very few also, there's very few like, it's all it's all it's all reconciliation of all the of all the problems and contradictions created during the age of like imperialism yeah. in the 20th century type yeah. situation or we're still feeling the aftershocks oh. of, of everything <laughs> we're still so, in we're still in imperialist western I, imperialist i mean era, next dude. i mean there's gonna in the next sort of age quote unquote in the next century we'll still be feeling the aftershocks of imperialism i mean and, well, or we still might be in imperialism, neo in imperialism, neo imperialism, which we're in now. Um, so there's just one more group that I wanted to talk about, and that's the Wa yeah. State Army. Did you notice them on the list? Yeah, uh, 
on the national one national army, right? Like, uh, no, no, no. Two hundred. The United War State, oh, State army, army. So there's two. United War. Sorry, I'm, I'm looking at the. Uh, so they are one? just below. Oh yes, I see. Second line. Yeah. Twenty-five. Twenty-five thousand. You notice that's the biggest, right? That is a large number. Yes. Now they are nowadays allied with the Burma government, and right. they used to be the Communist Party Burma, and are. Right. After that was dissolved, they turned into the United War State Army. They, these guys are fucking crazy. Now, they have conscription for, I, I, I don't know, I've seen pictures of some really young kids, like really young kids wearing military fatigues and training and shit. Um, they get tremendous support from China. So this is, this is a one proxy force and they're allied with the Burma government. Um, I, I've heard they have attack helicopters. I'm not sure if it's true. Uh, but they have right. crazy good artillery. Just just to talk about weapons, almost all of these other groups have just small arms. So landmines mm -hmm. and AKs or M16s, what have you. Maybe some mortars, couple bazookas. That's about don't, it. Don't, do they, don't they manufacture some of their own stuff? Or yeah, so the Kachin do, uh, but most most people yeah. don't. Um, but the Wa oh. army are like really heavily supported by China. They're, they're a very interesting case. They are big time drug dealers as well. That's basically what's their, their sort of, what's their relation with um with like the Thai state and uh, that kind of thing. Mm, they're they're not on the Thai border, so right. the Thai state again oh. just isn't really interested. Maybe they have a little stretch of territory on the Thai border. I'm gonna have to check that. Yeah, they do. They do. I think. Hold on. No, I don't think they do. I take that back. Oh no. yeah, they do. Okay, that's true. Actually, they control some territory around Tashulik, but I don't think they're very active oh, yeah. in that control. Right. I think I think yeah, they're not they're not that involved. So I think that basically covers everything I really wanted to get through. So my I, I important question I have for you. Um yes, sir. favorite flag. Favorite flag. Oh, that is a tough one. See, um this uh uh this this Myanmar National Democratic Alliance Army, it looks like it's a like a knuckle duster. I always like thought it looked like the Olympic rings. Oh, that's also a possible one. Yeah. Um, uh, no, no, but I think... Mm, see, see, the, the Arakan army looks a lot like... Uh, for some reason, the first thing I think of is the Third Reich. Yeah, it's a bit, um, bit Nazi-ish. Or, or Albania, you know? Oh, uh, or like Imperial Russia. That, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the, the Zomi Revolutionary Army looks like a Scandinavian country. Yeah, or like some old, uh, like, <laughs> Habsburgian, um, tiny yep, kingdom, yep. European principality or some shit. Um, uh, I don't know, this is a... I, my my favourite is so easy for me, dude. Oh, which one's that one? It's got to be the Chin National Army. They've got toucans! This is, this is true. They've this got true. toucans on their flag, how sweet is that? Or, it looks like um, okay. So look at the way the toucans are uh, inside because the the yeah. white the white the white band right. Yeah. And the toucans are inside a white circle. It looks like um, something you you would put around a cigar. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, or like on an orange peel packet or something. You know, there's like yeah, old yeah, orange yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, looks like um, tax uh, Texas. Uh, oh, with, like the the star. Dog shit. So boring. Don't care. It it it's yeah. it, um I I think I think for me. Personally, um, mm -hmm. I think either either the, uh, the 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 Shan State Army South 
or okay. the Myanmar, Myanmar National Democratic Alliance. Because like anything, anything with a star or guns on it, that's you're uh, into it. That, I'm okay. I've got to say, the Shan State Army South are fucking nutters. They have like a whole cult of personality oh, thing with their leader. Yeah. Um, National Democratic Alliance Army looks like Bolivia. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Although there is a like, National Socialist Council of Nagaland. They have like a rainbow. That's pretty cute. The, the National Socialists have a rainbow flag. Yes. It's not National Socialists like that. They are uh, the, know, the National know, Socialist Council of Nagaland. So ah, they're they're, gotcha, they're, they're gotcha. almost entirely in India. They're also fighting the Indian government. That should be pointed out. A couple of these groups are also fighting the Indian government. So I think the they are the National Socialist Council of Nagaland. Are, uh, I think who else is... Let me refresh my memory. I think the Kukis are. Yeah, they are. I don't know if they're actively fighting right now, but they definitely have. Oh, I see. It's like a, it's like a Rastafarian rainbow. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an <laughs> Ethiopian kind of thing. Rastafarian. <laughs> they switched. This is when they switched from opium to uh, to cannabis. Oh yeah. Um, um, so have you got any other questions or whatever? Or, yeah. yeah. Side side note. Now that I've mentioned it, what is okay? So aside from opium, what was what's sort of the what's what's sort of the existence of what's this, what's the relationship what's the with, drug with situation? Cannabis? Yeah. What, what's the cannabis? Hold on. I think we should talk about Yabar first. Oh yes, actually no. Regionally, that is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, go on. So basically, there's like Yabar and meth factories sparsely kind of dotted around the border areas and the kind of heavily forested. Right. Uh, mountains and they are unofficially officially uh maintained and taxed by a lot of rebel armies like i am i am pretty sure the kareni who i was talking about earlier i'm pretty sure they they they're in on that for example um but a lot of it is also done by militias uh so and then they're sometimes in cooperation with some of the armed ethnic insurgent groups. So it's, it's hard to say. And, you know, no one's going to cough up to it. No one's going to admit it ever that they're involved in this. Um, in terms of cannabis, in terms of weed, not so much. Mostly that's done by mm. people on the Thai side. You're talking about Thailand, right? It's kind of what you're referring to. No, no I mean, I'm, I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about like the, 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 the minorities. What, using it? No, no, so the yeah, so the relationship between so because like you know minorities uh, these the the relationship between these ethnic organizations uh, with opium is you know and, and Yaba is, is is like funding type situation. Yeah. Uh, so what's the what about what about uh, cannabis? Yeah, not so much. Mostly the cannabis is grown right, on the right. Thai side of the border right. in places like Fang and places like that where you've got cops who will just right. look the other way. And in Mayhem. Well, that's good a news lot as well. Um, so, so yeah, <laughs> uh, I think as a sort of a summing up. Uh, sort of a, a summing up type question, right? Mm -hmm. um, what would it take for Burma? Uh, so, so, sorry, when I say Burma, I refer to like the central state, right? Yeah. Of Myanmar. What would it take for 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 um, the all these ethnic minorities to either all be part of a federation mm. or separate from uh, the central state? What what would need to happen? For a, this to happen easy answer a new Panglong agreement right and and do, do you see that happening no um given the current no yeah so is it is it, is it so do you think it's a current leadership type situation uh, issue that uh, in terms of the the head of government or, or important people in the government y yes but then that so i mean 
I don't know how possible, if there was a different government, how possible it would be to get rid of the kind of deep roots of the military in the institutions. So in the civil service and the bureaucracy. There was that recent, there was the recent election, wasn't there? Don't. Don't worry about that. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and I, I was going to say, like, yeah, I do have an like uh, anarchist, um, Burmese anarchist friend who we could have on sometime. His English is pretty good. Oh, that sounds just, fun. Just to talk about that actual internal yeah. politics. Yeah, I think I think next time, I think next time we should talk about, sort of, or at least at some point, we should talk about ideology. Yeah, in yeah, internally. Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, I think yeah. that's about it. Yeah. All right, so... Well, um, I, I th- we thank you... We thank you for your wisdom, your years of experience. It's, you know. Hey, I went. I had some pretty uncomfortable nights learning about this kind of no, stuff. Do you know what I mean? I, I can. I can imagine yeah. the, the sort of the, the things you've said about some of these uh, these groups. Yeah. Um, um, I think that concludes this episode. Yeah, um, we'll uh, we'll catch you. you next time. Yeah. All right. Wam wam sa mui.